Welcome back. This is the Ball and Roll Pick and Pod. Lots to discuss today. The Heat are sick. The Clippers are frauds. And football is fucking back. I've been making some earnings and money. Kevin has been thriving as always. But before we get going, remember ballandroll.com, your spot for the best basketball content on the web. Shop.ballandroll.com, your spot for the hottest basketball merch on the web. We got a lot to discuss today. Pack show. Kevin, what's up, man? You know what's up? My the jersey on my body right now is Jimmy Butler autographed jersey from a Chicago Bulls. That's what's up right now. Cause Jimmy G Buckets is out here. We all know what that G stands for. It's gets, baby. Oh man, I'm feeling so good. Every single Heat game I watched so far, it's what I don't know. Okay, we'll dive more into it later, but it's just made my days better and better. Like every day that the Heat plays, I know I'm gonna gain like plus one confidence points and now my confidence is through the roof and i i can do anything baby anything so i'm feeling good man how you doing i'm doing good man uh wrapped up work good week i had a really good presentation this week so that that went well so i'm pretty pumped um but anyways pack show like i said whoa, whoa, whoa. But first, John, johnny boy how you doing I'm getting there Dude, i'm getting there john what's up what's happening Man, I'm excited. I'm excited for the debut of Big Face Coffee. It's uh, Jimmy Butler's coffee shop. I'm excited for that. I'm going to cop the masks. I'm going to cop their merch. I hope they got mugs. I'm excited for Big Face Coffee, man. That that That's good, dude. The Miami Heat are just like the only story worth talking about in the bubble at this point. Like everyone else is just boring news, it feels like. I don't know about well, that. Well, that, that, but D- Denver is also the, I Denver. guess, Cinderella story besides Miami. But who's talking well, about Denver? Uh, no, but wait, but that's a great segue. No one's talking about Denver, but everyone's talking about the Clippers. So let's talk about the Clippers real quick before we move on. Uh, guys, are the Clippers frauds? Frauds. Let's capital jump F. Right. Ca- capital they, F. They scammed frauds. us. They scammed yeah. us. Yeah, I mean, if you if you guys keep up with the Clipper players, um, Montre Harrell, he yeah. unfollowed the Clippers, and he, he followed, followed the Raptors. The Raptors. That's Wait, right. did he really? Yeah, yeah, he did. What does this mean? This means you guys are gonna have a big man, uh, sir, because uh, Marcus Hall's uh, talking about how he wants to go back to Europe. Send Gasol yeah. packing. Get Montrell. Get Montrell off the bench, dude. <sighs> the beast. What? I, I don't I don't mind Montreal Harrell. I think he's you good. don't mind I him. He's off six man of the I year. Think I, well, I think there's I think there's obvious limitations to Montreal Harrell. Like, look, the six man of the year is the biggest joke of an award. It's given to the guy who averages the most points per game. Um, but okay. like, if you watch the Denver Nuggets series, one Montreal Harrell sucked defending okay. the pick and roll. He looked absolutely horrible. But I mean, so did the rest of the team. He also can't shoot. But other than that, I think Montreal Harrell is really good at basketball. See, Montreal Harrell is like the perfect hybrid between like Hassan Whiteside and like Reggie Evans. That sounds horrible. <laughs> He's got that a lot of parts. Like <laughs> it's like, dude, you should never be an agent ever. Like, sell me on this free agent. Well, hey he's a hybrid of Reggie Evans and Hassan Whiteside. Dude, I would sign that guy. If I had a team, I would sign that guy. I, I, I didn't just say a hybrid. I said the perfect uh-huh. hybrid. You know, right. the good things about Hassan Whiteside, which is his, you know, his blocking abilities and, like, yeah. his dunking abilities, you know. And then good things about Reggie Evans. As a Raptor fan, you know how Reggie Evans was. Guy had heart. 
He had a lot of heart. He came uh-huh. off the bench, averaged like three boards at a time. But there was yeah. that one season where he had like almost ten boards, but three boards at a time, and that pumped up the crowd, baby. Yeah, That's Reggie. Yeah. No, Reggie Evans is the per thirty-six rebounds per game goat. I'd yeah. say. Also, we can't put this blame on Montreal. Like, dude, they had playoff PP on their team. Playoff PP play like straight up PP, dog. He was so trash. So here's a question for you. Let's uh let's wrap up this uh, Clippers topic first, and then we'll move on to the teams that matters. But like, what went wrong with the Clippers? They were up three one. They had a double digit lead out of half in game five. They had a double digit lead coming out of the half in game six, and then they died. What happened, John? What happened to the Clippers? Well, people like to say that the Clippers lost this series due to their complacency and their chemistry issues. But I want to give the Denver Nuggets some credit because they made some adjustments where they really went to Jokic in this series. And the Clippers had no answer for Jokic. So that was really evidence in the scoring games that he had. But in that last game... They were up by, like, double digits. I believe it was, like, 17 or 19 points, and they just blew that lead. And they also blew a lead in Game 6, I believe. So it's it's just really confusing because this Clipper team, everybody predicted them to be championship contenders. And then it turned out that they were really inconsistent all season long. So I think the biggest things for me anyway in the article I wrote, the Clipper collapse— I just mentioned that chemistry, like number one, was a problem. And then that led to consistency issues with Paul George and Kawhi Leonard out of the lineup, often due to load management, which is really, I guess, ironic that they were load managing the whole season and then they got a four-month layoff. So it just made them even more rusty coming into the bubble. And then the last thing, complacency. I think they just always thought that no matter who they were up against, the end goal was to go up against the Lakers and defeat the Lakers, but they never really took the opponents that they had in front of them seriously, and that's why the Dallas Mavericks were in the series. They were they were tied 2-2, and I really believe if Kristaps Porzingis didn't get hurt in that series, we'd be looking at a pretty close one there. I would probably still pick the Clippers to win that one in seven, but it would be tough. And then now we look at this series versus Denver. They just completely collapsed. And I think the Clipper players in general, they just had this mentality that once Kawhi and Paul George joined the team, like, oh, yeah, we're going to win the championship. They were kind of acting like they were the defending champs because they signed Kawhi and, you know, they trade for Kawhi, then they signed Paul George. But in reality, they haven't accomplished anything yet. And now they're looking like one of the... I guess one of the bigger clown teams in the league because they mortgaged their basically their entire future for this decade just to have two years of Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. And now Montrez Harrell could potentially leave in free agency. They might trade Lou Williams. So this team just looks like it's ready to implode right at the core. And the Clippers, they mortgaged everything for this one shot to win the title. And look where they are now. Yeah, I completely agree with everything you said. I think I think the Clippers, they obviously announced that they're going to bring uh, Doc Rivers back. But I think it's time to look 
into the, in the mirror and say, okay, maybe we can do better at the coaching spot. Doc Rivers has been around with the Clippers for a long time, and he's had really, really good teams the entire time, and he just wasn't able to break through. It's not the first time he's blown a 3-1 lead. And if you just look at this series that just happened and just ended, like the, the Clippers were picked apart by Jokic's passing. And they just kept double-teaming Jokic the entire series as opposed to maybe just, like, telling Kawhi Leonard from the very get-go, defend Jokic and let's shut this shut this team, down, this team down. And they never did that. Lou Williams wasn't hitting anything, yet Doc Curry just kept going with him. And, I mean, when Lou Williams can't hit shots, then he's just a huge liability defensively, yet Doc Rivers just kept going with it. Montreal Harrell, like we mentioned at the beginning of the of the show, like he was struggling with the pick and roll, and the the Clippers were just going with the same thing, and clearly wasn't working. And I, I think at some point you just got to question like whether Doc Rivers is the guy, the right guy for the team, especially because I hear all this stuff that Doc Rivers is really good at motivating. That's like his number one thing as a coach. Yet, I mean, you blow two straight leads to close out a series. You can't. You just don't even show up in Game Seven. Like, I think it's time for a new voice there. And I mean, like you mentioned, and I'm sure Kevin's gonna echo the sentiments. Like Paul George has been awful. Like you, you trade seven first round picks, including like four swaps. You trade Shai Gilgeou Alexander, who's who looks like a stud to me, and yeah. you throw away Danilo Gallinari. Like, god damn. Like, I I was listening to the post-game press conference from these from these guys and i'm like these guys are just a bunch of bitches like i i was shook to hear what these guys were saying like doc rivers saying these guys could, could barely play three minutes like lou williams saying like we had a championship team we just didn't have chemistry like paul george saying it wasn't championship or bust i'm like dude 100 percent, it was championship or bust like you were one of the best teams in the league you have zero future in terms of draft capital they traded everything away for you. It's 100% championship or bust. And it just blew me away how the, the lack of responsibility that was taken by this team. And that really just sums up what the Clippers have been as a franchise for so many, so many years. Like, it was a complete joke. Like, they're not just frauds. They were literally a clown show uh, to close out the series. But... Kev, tie a bow on this and we'll move on. Uh, give me a eulogy for for this Clippers team. Bums. Bums. Most of them bums. Marcus Morris, he goes out there trash-talking everybody. Meanwhile, he put up a bum game. You have you have Paul George uh, talking trash, too, putting up bum games. Montreal yeah. Harrell was the only one who's... I know, I know he was blown out defensively, but it's really hard to cover a team where, yeah. with a guy like Jokic. Have, mm-hmm. We keep on talking about how important it is to have a big man who can play make and knows yeah. how basketball works, and Jokic is one of those guys, and he can break down any big man in that sense. And then you have yeah. Lou Williams. This is supposed to be the guy, a spark plug off the bench, coming out putting single digit numbers every night. I know you you don't like the point per game, but at the end of the day, those points matter in order I, to win games. Yeah. And Lou wasn't putting them up, and that's yeah. that's not good. Like. It's it's sad. It's sad. Clippers, I hope this is not like a cold take where uh, eventually we talk about how like Paul George leaves or something and Kawhi's done, all these players are done, and they have like a bum 
bomb bunch of years coming ahead of them because they they don't have anything in the future. Mm-hmm. Like this is it, and you got yeah. knocked out by uh, by the Nuggets when you were up that much. That's yeah, no, it's it's trash, man. I feel bad for the Clippers. To this day, Lakers are still the team of LA. Lakers, uh, uh, Clippers yeah. had that one chance to kind of be like, we have this, but no, nope, Lakers taking that. Yeah, um, I I think that's a good way to sum it up. It's just like. One of the bigger disappointments in basketball that we've seen in a very long time. It just, you did not expect it to end this way. But I think you got to also give credit to, um, give credit to the Denver Nuggets. They played harder, especially in game seven. They refused to quit. They're probably the best team in NBA history, went down 3-1 in the playoff series. And Jamal Murray was just, like, Nikola Jokic was incredible. Jamal Murray, like, this this postseason has essentially been his like coming out party and now moving on we got the lakers we got denver nuggets how do you how do you guys think this series is gonna go like it seems like over the last like two series we kind of under undervalued who the the denver nuggets are like do we think that they have any sort of chance against the lakers kev so the thing is that see i'm sure you guys have played roulette before and, you know, when you just put it on black and then it, 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 it hits red and then you put it on black again and it hits red and you put it on black again, and it hits red. The the whole playoff series, I've been putting money on every team that goes against the Lakers. And I don't want to be that guy that finally switches over to the red and it hits black. So I'm going to stick with Denver on this one again. I want the Lakers to go down. But I don't know. Like, I feel like they're going to go down 3-1 and somehow they're going to will their way back. Lakers... I'm still not fully bought into them. These They have LeBron. They have Anthony Davis, two of the greatest players to ever play the game. One, mm-hmm. are arguably the greatest player to ever play the game. Yeah. That gives them, of course, a certain edge. And they have that playoff experience, just just LeBron himself. And, of course, you know, JR, playoff JR out there. But, uh, yeah, I don't mm-hmm. the, the thing is that Denver, they're still really nice. But yeah. I, Lakers have a chance to win, but I, I'm riding with Denver on this one but, and to take seven games. I, I, I have a feeling that, John, you got a different prediction for this series. What you got? Well, I give the Nuggets a better chance than I gave the Rockets and the Blazers just because I think Denver, they're matching up a little bit better in terms of having players like Jokic that can put a little bit of pressure on the Laker front court. Whereas, you know, the Rockets, they didn't really have much of an inside presence, and it showed. And then in the Blazers series, they did have an inside presence. But when Damian Lillard got injured and, you know, when CJ McCollum's dealing with his injuries too, it was kind of a, kind of lopsided either way in the Lakers' favor. So I expect this series to be a little bit closer. I'm yeah. excited to see how the Lakers guard the, the uh, Jokic and Murray pick and roll because that's mm-hmm. probably, like, the number one money play that, the Nuggets have right now and I also want to say too that this Jokic and Murray pairing is kind of what I expected from Luka mm-hmm. and Porzingis yeah and I think this this pairing is actually a lot better right now but mm. all in all I think in this series it's probably just going to come down to which stars play better yeah. as it usually does in the postseason and I think it's still going to probably be LeBron and AD but I wouldn't be surprised if this series does 
start out pretty fast for a team like the Lakers and then the Nuggets start calming back again and mm. maybe making it a series. But I think I'm going to still have to go Lakers in six just off my gut reactions here. Yeah. And I think um, what we've seen from the Lakers is kind of like a slow start to each series. So, like, they lost game one to Portland, which made Kevin lose his mind. Then they lost game one to Houston, <laughs> right? So maybe this layoff is going to benefit benefit the Denver Nuggets just because they just finished their series while the Lakers have just been relaxing at home waiting for the Clippers this entire time. But I think you got – first of all, I think you got to give the Lakers credit in terms of their yeah. defense. Like, if you look at the last three games against Houston, like, they shut that team down defensively. And, like, when you think of the Lakers, you obviously think about LeBron, you think about Anthony Davis, who are pro- probably, like, five, like, in the top five in the world in terms of just, like, playing the sport. But you also got to give this defense credit. Like, they've really, really stepped up. They're one of the top defensive teams. And, dude, LeBron has looked sensational in these playoffs. And while I think that while the Clippers struggled, covering a guy like like Nikola Jokic just because of their lack of like actual size and defensive ability in the in the paint. I think Anthony Davis is just a such obviously a huge upgrade and it's going to make life a little tougher for the Denver Nuggets and I truly don't know who's going to be covering LeBron James. Like I'm I'm looking at the Denver Nuggets roster and I feel like there's going to be I like who's going to cover LeBron. Is it going to be Paul Millsap? Is he going to have to step up? Is it going to be somebody smaller like a like a Gary Harris? Probably not. Is it going to be like a Tory Craig? Well, well, they have they still have Grant on that team. Who's yeah, who's Jeremy good. Grant. Paul, Jeremy yeah. Grant is long and he's very athletic. Uh, Paul Millsap, he he's big and he's a veteran, so he can play smart. And I don't think they're going to run man to man. I think that'll be a silly defense to run against the Lakers with. Yeah the team that they have. I, I hope they run some sort of a, a zone defense yeah. where they're able to rotate accordingly in order yeah. to shut down LeBron. Yeah, no, that that's actually a really good point. Um, so I, I guess we'll see like with Jerry and Grant at, yeah, he has length. It's just like, there's a huge size disadvantage there. Oh, for sure. So yeah, so yeah it's going to be interesting to see what they do with a guy like LeBron, because something we saw against Houston where LeBron was just picking on their lack of size. He was just driving straight to the basket and doing whatever he wanted. And the thing is, when you're trying to come up with a defensive scheme against a team like Lakers with LeBron James, you're not trying to shut down LeBron. Because you got to understand, LeBron gets his when he wants to get his. his. That's Hmm. just the type of player he is. The goal has to be, even if LeBron drops 40, Make yeah. sure Anthony Davis doesn't drop more than 20. Make sure the other guys aren't open on the three-point line to put up shots. Like LeBron's going to go out there. If you, dude, There well, are some players in the history of basketball. If they want to go out there and get 30, they can do it. Well, that's also the thing with LeBron. that He also is able – he has the ability to take over a game offensively on his own, yeah. but he can also create such good opportunities for his teammates. Right? Yeah, oh, for sure. So, but that, that's part, also because when he gets yeah, hot, yeah, like part it alleviates that. Yeah, but like part of shutting LeBron down is also slowing down his playmaking ability, right? Yeah. Like there's so many different ways that LeBron can just beat you. So, like personally, I, I kind of agree with John. I, I'm gonna go with um, Lakers and six. I just, I, I really don't know how the Denver Nuggets can keep this up. Like personally, 
Personally, I don't think the Nuggets were a better team than the Clippers. Yeah. I think they caught a few breaks. Paul George was dog shit this entire postseason, which is, I mean, you don't expect to see him bricking shots like he has. Like, you don't expect Lou Williams to be horrible. You don't expect them to, like, self-combust as the, as the series goes on. So I just think, like, right now there's just – I think the Denver Nuggets are really good. I think it's impressive that they've come this far. I just think they're going to run out of talent going up against a team like the Lakers. And that's just me. Mm, that's interesting. Um, just something I thought of right when you were saying um, how Anthony Davis can guard a guy like Jokic. I think you could sure. say the same thing about Jokic the same way we're talking about LeBron, where you're not necessarily shutting down Jokic because he's not a one-dimensional player. He can affect the game in so many different aspects, whether it was his, with it's his shooting, his rebounding, his passing. So. Yeah. It's not just going to be Anthony Davis locking up a guy like Jokic. It's got to be a team effort. And I think the same has to go for LeBron because you can't just put one guy on LeBron and expect to, you know, contain him. You got to throw multiple looks at him. You got to throw multiple different defenses at him, too. So it's going to be interesting to see what these teams do in this type of series where there's two, like, really prolific playmakers. Yeah. And those offenses both teams offenses really thrive on the playmaking of Jokic and LeBron Mm -hmm. no I completely agree this kind of reminds me of how the Raptors switch up their defenses like obviously I I think the Lakers understand that double teaming a guy like Jokic isn't a great idea as they've learned from watching the Clippers but just changing up defenses and not sticking to the same thing will just make these players uncomfortable like we kind of saw what the Raptors are able to do with like Kemba Walker and at times with Jason Tatum like you can tell that the Raptors are able to throw really good offensive players off their games just by changing up the defenses on the go so I think kind of like what you were saying just hitting hitting these guys with different looks changing up their schemes I mean, that that will benefit um, whichever team makes the right adjustments, I guess. Yeah. So shall we shall we move on? Okay. Um, no, Kevin, I, I know what you think we're going to talk about. We're not going to go there just yet. I'm sorry. Wait, what are we talking about? Uh, we just got to we have a Raptor podcast, so we just have to quickly talk. about. We're not going to talk about like the hottest thing in basketball. We'll, we'll get there, Kevin. No pun intended, of course. We'll, we'll get there. We'll, we'll get there. But we we probably get like a few clicks if we like drop Masai Ujiri in our um. In our, like, are we clickbaiting right now? One hundred percent. One hundred percent. That's that's disgusting. But I'm all about it. Let's do it. Okay, let's let's go. Let's hoe out. Um, so, <laughs> guys. Um, first of all, Nick Nurse just got a multi-year extension. Um, according to one of mine and Kevin's favorite ESPN like analysts, Brian Windhorst. It's apparently a very lovely, um, lovely deal. That's a lot of money and a four year contract. Um, so it seems like uh, Bobby Webster is next up in terms of an extension, the Raptors GM. But to this point, it seems like there has been little talk about Masai Jiri getting extended. So John, can you kind of explain to me what you think is going on here? Like why is, Masai, who might be the greatest executive in all of basketball, why is there just so much like silence on that end of the, that end of things? Well, that's that's who he is. He is the greatest executive in basketball right now, and I think he's acting just like 
you know, a, a great player would act in a situation where they're due for an extension. I think he's just playing out his leverage and he's trying to get um, the best offer that the Raptors can give him. But regardless of whether he's using it as leverage or not, the Raptors were always going to give him the max amount of whatever they can give him because Masai Ujiri is the most important person in the Raptors organization, period. We don't get to a championship without Masai Ujiri. You know, we don't we don't get anything we had right now without without um, Masai Ujiri. I was going to say Kyle Lowry, but that that's true, too. But we're talking about Masai. And there has been talks about him going to places like New York or Washington. And I can kind of understand it because Masai Ujiri, he's got a lot of things going on off the court and a lot of things he's passionate about. And we're just going to have to wait and see what happens with Masai because, he, like you said, he was just trying to get his his guys' deals first. So in terms of Nick Nurse, Bobby Webster, they also made retaining F- Fred Van Fleet a big priority. Mm-hmm. So that's also on the calendar for the Raptors. And I really right. think we won't hear about um, Masai Ujiri's potential extension with the Raptors until his deal is up and then it's time to discuss what the future is with Masai and the Raptors. Mm-hmm. No, that, that's fair. And I'm personally, I'm really glad that they got the Nick Nurse deal done. Clearly, Nick Nurse deserves to get paid. I don't know any any coach to start a career as well as Nick Nurse has, other than like maybe Steve Kerr, like championship champion in his first season and head coach in his second season, head co- a head coach All Star team. Um, so, 100 percent a guy who's deserving of this contract and Webster obviously is coming up next and he's very deserving in this contract. And the way I think about this, um, Masai Ujiri thing is if he, if he ends up not signing a contract to me, it's, it's one of two things. It's one that there's a disconnect between ownership and upper management, in which case, I mean, for the long-term future of the team, you really don't want that. Or he just wants a new challenge. He wants to go somewhere else, right? I feel like that's the only two things that will prevent him signing an extension. But that being said, I feel like he's happy in Toronto. I feel like there's still so much that he can do, you know? So here's hoping that he um, he stays here for a very, very long time. Kevin, uh, do you have any was, thoughts? Do you want to move well, on? I have two thoughts. First of all, um, there is a better coach out there, and he goes by the name of Phil Jackson. Second year as a head coach, he started a dynasty. No big deal or anything. I just Did wanted to throw it out there. Yeah. Yes, second year as a head coach. He um, se- Second year, third year, fourth year, he won a ring. All three years. Anyways, it's, not, it's no. no big deal. It's whatever. Um, I hope that he had Michael Jordan, though. Okay, whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay, I'm setting my own narrative over here, John. Okay, let that John, man from North Dakota... <laughs> Wait, John, keep in mind, like, he may have had Michael Jordan, but, I mean, Nick Nurse has Kyle Lowry, so. And that's Leonard. true, yeah. Kyle Lowry, Kawhi Leonard, that's a pretty good duo right there. Yeah, and that's Patrick not... McCaw. And Patrick McCaw, that's yeah. true. Anyways, Kevin. Uh, you Kevin. know how, like, when you were a kid, your mom was yeah. like, yo, I won't give you dessert till you have your meal. Or, like, yo, you, you can't watch TV till you do your chores. I think that's what the Raptors did over here. They went up to they went up to our homeboy, Masai. was like, yo, Masai, if you don't bring Giannis over here, we ain't going to give you that good money. That's uh-huh. Yeah, that's what happened. I, I, think, I think 100% the Raptors do need Masai Jury here if they hope to. Have, <laughs> like, 
No, they, yeah. dude, it's it's it, okay. So some of the bigger deals that happen, they happen behind closed doors without yeah. many people knowing about it. And must Raptors would be a fool to not extend Masai. All the yeah. glory that happened for the Raptors is thanks to your mm-hmm. savior, your Messiah. Yeah. Masai. Okay, that, that, that's what it is. Like, my guy went out there, put together a team, got a great coaching staff, developed yeah. a good culture to go out, out there and run it. People thought, you know, trading away DeMar DeRozan, that's so that's the most unraptured thing to do. Mm-hmm. But screw yeah. that. He made a business decision, which mm-hmm. helped, helped you guys uh, out in the long run. Right. Masai is going to get extended, and he's going to get extended for a lot of money. Yeah, if I can say one quick thing before we move on to Kevin's new favorite team. Um I with uh, the big free agency class in 2021, the one thing I'm worried about with leaving Masai Ujiri's contract to the end of next year is that if free agents are looking at Toronto as a viable option, like they're looking at the Raptors and they're like, okay, Masai Ujiri hasn't even been extended yet, right? So Mm -hmm. I would the Raptors would just like get that done. So they're kind of like all on the same page heading into next year's free agency. Nah, see, like, okay, so imagine, like, you know, you get, like, a meal, right? And uh, you go out with your siblings and your pops. Your pops is going to make sure you eat first before he eats. Masai is the pops over here. Everybody else outside is looking. looking, And what they can see is that Masai is making sure his kids eat first before Uh he eats. That's the thing. And a a player from outside, I'm like, damn, he really cares about his kids. I want to be his kid. That's what's going to happen. Okay, Kevin, talk, talk to us about the Miami Heat. Let's Miami Heat. What are we going to talk about the Miami Heat? First of all, shout, uh, talking about great presidents of operations. We got we got one out there in Miami, too, putting together a squad like that. Dude, I, I don't – analytically, Miami just makes sense. Uh, like, to- like, dude, Duncan Robinson – he took 686 shots this season, right? Out of yeah. that, 606 were three-pointers. Attempts, not makes, attempts. Ga- uh, game one, he was bricking it. It was back-to-back-to-back, to back to back, missed three-point shots, and you saw the frustration in his face, and he was mm-hmm. running back to his side for defense. And uh, Eric's pulse is just so animated. He was yelling. He's like, keep on taking those, keep on taking those, keep on taking those. And that you saw... Duncan Robinson mouthed this out. He said, I got you. I got you. And that's that's the thing. That team is so driven around like, yo, that coach believes in his players. He's like, yo, I know you can go out there and get your own. Just go out there, put up the shots, put up the shots. There is a system that they trust in, which yeah. they're going to enforce. It's not going to fall apart just because they missed like 10 shots. They're going to go out there and make sure they hit that 11th shot. Even if they mm-hmm. miss the 11th shot, they're going to make sure they hit the 12th shot. And then Jimmy Butler... A lot of players, dude, the way, you know, I think about basketball is like a, a, a snowball. You know, it has to start rolling in order to get big. So I have to start, like, shooting in the first quarter in order to make sure I'm still hot in the fourth quarter. Jimmy's like, I know I can get hot whenever I want to. I'm just going to let my youngins get hot and get consistent. And in the fourth quarter, I'll just turn up. And that's what he's been doing, dude. Game one, Jimmy Butler at that final fourth quarter when they were down. Jimmy in the corner, pump fake. Boy jumps. He steps to the side, puts that shot up, dude. I lost my damn mind. And then after that, a few plays later, Jimmy drives up. Tatum's trying to guard him. He gets that foul and finishes at the rim. I lost my damn mind again. And then to close it off, Jason Tatum drives to the basket. Everybody thought he had it. And bam, out of Bayou with one of the greatest. I'm not going to say the greatest block of, of all time because that 
uh, title is with LeBron James. But Bam Adebayo, clean block. You know, a lot of the blocks in the playoffs, especially in critical moments, fans from the other team are like, oh, that was a that was a foul. That was a foul. This is one of those blocks nobody can say nothing other than, damn, that was a block. We're going to move on. That's it. The Heat are such a fun team. They're one of those teams that I can watch over and over and over again. And I know, like, even if they're down, they're still fight. They're not giving up. They're not. Uh-huh. Uh, they're, they're not bending over. They came in as a lower ranked team, but they're 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 going up against the Goliaths as little Davids, and they're willing to take down anybody who steps in front of them. They ain't afraid. I Kev, love the heat, man. Kev, you sound like you're the one bending over right now. <laughs> yeah, that's easy any day. That's why it's so good. I like realistically. What do you what do you guys think of the Heat so far? Like in the in this playoff run. So for uh, I, I'll I'll take this question first. Um. Dude, I think it's fair to say that the Heat are a fucking wagon. They're a fucking wagon. Like, watching the game is so much fun. I love how uh, Eric Spolstra just treats Duncan Robinson as just, like, a number on a piece of paper. Like, you're useless if you don't take three-point shots. Just, like, keep shooting them because there's nothing else that you can do. I love it. Everyone is, like, part of this, like, intricate scheme. And everything works so well. Like, oh man, I it's I can only, I can't imagine how difficult it is to slow down a team. Just like with Bam Adebayo and Tyler Hero and Duncan Robinson around around him, it's just like that makes it so hard to defend. And now Goran Dragic, I don't know what the fuck is going on. Like that's that's the biggest question I have. Yeah. Like where the hell is this coming from? Where is the like, drug test? Guy, this guy took Kendrick Nunn's job from him, and dude, he's about to get paid so much money in the offseason. He's going to get, like, the biggest one-year contract in NBA history for what he's doing. Like, I have—I I don't know. Like, there's—everything—it seems like everything is just rolling for Miami. Like, even yesterday, like, you're watching, and Kelly Olenek just drops a three that— probably goes in 1% of the time. And then Goran Dragic comes back like a few minutes later and drops the same three that like you just don't see happen, you know? Like it seems like everything is falling into place with Miami and they have like such a, there's so much fun to watch like on both ends of the court, how like fluid everything works. And um, and then obviously you have Jimmy Butler who is just kind of leads everything, you know? Like... It's honestly incredible. Like, I read this um, article that Zach Lowe posted a, a couple of days ago on ESPN, and it just kind of talks about how the how the Heat just a couple of years ago have been an absolute cap mess, right? Yeah. Like, they, they missed out on some big free agents, so instead they signed Hassan Whiteside to a big contract. They signed Deion Waiters and James Johnson and Kelly Olynyk to a big contract, and, and like, Chris Bosh had his blood clot, so he was gone, and then Dwayne Wade retired, you know? So they went from a team that just, like, looked dreadful on paper and just strapped up against the cap with bad contract and average players to this. Like, the development of Bam Adebayo has been absolutely, absolutely remarkable, and the the like how they lucked lucked out with guys like Duncan Robinson, Kendrick Nunn, and then like being able to draft a potential All Star in Tyler Hero. Cool. Like, okay. Like, like if okay. you look like if you look at Tyler Heroes compared to Devin Booker, like you can see the parallels between Tyler Hero and, and Devin Booker, and to have that on your team behind like 
a Bam out of Bayou. And then they were able to bring in Jimmy Butler and how they were able to, with, with Yusuf Nurkic going down, they were able to trade away Hassan Whiteside, which was just like a master stroke by Pat Riley, you know? Mm-hmm. So it just seems like everything just came together for the Heat so quickly. And then obviously they were able to bring in Jay Crowder, who's been incredible for them. And then like, say what you want about Andre Godala. He's like, I mean, he provides you something off the bench and a guy like Derek Jones who comes in and he can lock down one of the better players on the other team uh, whenever called upon. So, I mean, dude, this team's a fucking wagon. I can't say enough good things about them. Like, I don't know how you like Boston clearly has no chance. Like dude, they I, are falling apart. Yeah. Like I'm like, I'm watching the Boston Celtics, the Kings of the North. Like they're fucking <laughs> Like I'm watching them. Like I'm literally watching them while I watch my bang- my Bengals cover the plus six spread, and I'm like, oh Jesus Christ! Like yeah. holy shit! Dude, but how nice is Tyler Hero? Tyler Hero is so nice. It's a swagger. Forget yeah. about his game. It's a swagger on the court. Players when they know that they belong. Yeah. That's when they ball out. And Tyler Hero knows that he belongs. He knows that he earned that spot. And he's yeah. damn good at his job. Like, dude, he almost had a near triple-double the other game. He was one yeah. rebound shy, I'm pretty sure. Or one yeah. assist shy. Like, he he's averaging almost 10 rebounds over the past two games. Like, yeah. they, they utilize all their players appropriately. Like, Derek, mm. Jones, uh, Derek Jones Jr., you know, like I thought, I thought he was paralyzed after that one injury uh, yeah. in, in the um, Pacers series. But mm. he's still, he's still got that athleticism. Like they use yeah. his defensive abilities so well. They, they, they realized that the pick and roll was working so well against the Celtics. They abused mm. it, and Celtics have no answer to the Bam mm. and Goron pick and roll for some reason, yeah. which makes absolutely no sense. Pick and roll is easy. Pick. Uh. Oh, but then the problem is when you uh, put in guys like Kelly Olynyk, who they were using so well, who stands in the three-point line, who can hit, m- make wet buckets, and then you uh, you have like Duncan Robinson who can wet it too, and then you have uh, Goran Dragic after that uh, p- uh, pass, he who can sh- uh, run over to the three-point line, who is like Steph Curry this year, and you have yeah. Tyler Hero who can wet it too, dude. That game one shot, Tyler Hero, like that confidence when he drove up the court. Pump fake. The guy jumped in front of him, and then he he made that shot. Like that confidence for a rookie to yeah. do all that. Ah, oh, that that goes to the coaching. To yeah. me, coaching is not just X's and O's. To me, coaching is also like making sure your players know that they can go out there and do it. And Steve mm-hmm. Kerr is one of the best at it. Having a, having a talented team, he's able to like utilize them, uh, and also like uh, kind of compartmentalize their ego and things like that. And Eric Spolster is one of those guys that dude. He's doing so well. He's out coaching Brad Stevenson by a mile. Yeah, it's crazy. What what, what do you what do you think, uh, John? I think what makes this Miami Heat team so special is there's there's three things, and it's exactly the three things that I think the Clippers don't have right now, and the reason why the Clippers imploded. Like number one, they play for each other. The chemistry on this team is like really really good, and it is kind of a scapegoat I think when players cite chemistry as a reason why the team like didn't perform well but you could tell when these when this Miami Heat team takes the court they play for each other you know nobody's really too caught up on getting their own numbers like you know Jimmy Butler's the star player but at the end of the day he sets the tone for this team and he's not going to take 
20 shots if he doesn't have to to get like you know get to 30 points he's completely content with just shooting 11 shots and scoring 14 points but he's gonna make the hustle plays and the clutch plays in the fourth quarter that are gonna ultimately decide the game and then Mm -hmm. their their connectivity they're they're like if if there was a let's say Eric Spolstra is like the the brain of this team and then Mm -hmm. All the players on the court like completely are like being controlled by Eric Spolstra. Like it's like it's a game of 2K. They're all on a string and they're all they all know what to do at the right moment. Yeah. And that's the connectivity that they show. And I think the third thing that makes this Miami Heat team so special is their culture. They've built this culture where you're you're all hold held to the same standard standard. You guys have to work hard in order to get onto the court. You have to play defense. You have to grind. Mm-hmm. That's ultimately what makes this team so special. And I think this Miami Heat team, what they've done in this postseason is what we expected from the Clippers. And right. they, they didn't deliver on it. But we're looking at this Heat team right now, and they've only lost one game in the playoffs. <laughs> and the, the Boston Celtics, they look lost, honestly. And... I don't want to act like I was on the Heat bandwagon to begin with because, to be fair, going into the season, I didn't really expect Miami to be this good. But they're just—they seem like a team that's built to play in the bubble because they don't really care about anything that's going on. They just care about what's really in front of them right now, which is the Celtics team and yeah. the Celtics in general. I, I think it was premature to call them, you know the east champs i think because a lot of experts i saw anyway picked the celtics almost unanimously and when i looked at this series i was thinking well if the raptors can take the celtics to seven and this is like coming from a raptors fan perspective the raptors didn't play particularly well at all in that seven game series like it's still kind of mind-boggling to think that the raptors took the celtics to seven with all their talent and with Mm -hmm. pascal siakam not playing to you know the standard that we hold them to yeah and then you know now they go up against this miami team that's way more talented and just in terms of the players Mm -hmm. are playing good right now and they they play on both ends too they can hit shots they can defend really well Mm-hmm. Like Kev was saying, they didn't have any answer at all for Bam Adebayo's and Gordon Dragic's pick and roll. I think Bam had like 10 or 12 points in the third quarter in the second game there. And yeah. the Celtics, they just look lost, honestly. And mm-hmm. I think people weren't expecting the Celtics to look this lost after coming out of that Raptors series. But to be fair, I was never high on the Celtics because I always thought that if the Raptors had it, turned it around just in terms of their shot whether it was Siakam, Gasol mm-hmm. if um, maybe Van Fleet was a little more consistent throughout the couple games or Norman Powell it could have been the Raptors taking that series and there was also that one game when Marcus Smart just popped off immediately for like four or five threes yeah. in a row that the Raptors lost I don't count on Marcus Smart doing that every game and he's not the he's a good shooter but he's not consistent enough for me to count on him and I think mm-hmm. he's the ultimate wild card in every series. But regardless of what happens in this series, you got to give credit to Pat Riley, Eric Spolstrup for establishing this winning culture in Miami. I don't think we, well, Kevin obviously expected the Miami Heat to make it out of the playoffs, and I and think win he, the whole thing. Win the whole thing, yeah, with his third <laughs> eye. 
he definitely predicted that. So if it happens, you know, I just got to tip my hat to uh, Kevin's ESP-like abilities to worry, really predict something like this happening. You, you, you'll be tipping your hat, but Bodog will be tipping $1,500. Yeah. <laughs> yeah John, you can keep your fucking hat. Kevin's got his money coming. <laughs> I made, I made um, a wager <laughs> very early that uh, the heat yeah. would come out on the Eastern Conference and also uh, the whole thing. But, you know, it could still be a cold take. We don't know yet. But you know yeah. what's sad? That, mm. that Brad Stevens has to resort to Ennis Cantor to try to stop the Miami Heat. Ennis Cantor saw most of his minutes in this playoffs right now. Ke- Wait, Kev, can I say one thing? Yeah. Why the fuck couldn't we get any Ennis, Ennis Cantor and, and Romeo I Like I, I'm like watching and I'm like, Romeo Langford's in this game. Like, wait a second. Wait a second. Like, wait, where where were these minutes against the Raptors? Yeah, Robert Williams was their, uh, was their guy the whole time. Yeah. And... Um, they could Ennis Cantor. We know how bad he is defensively, but apparently yeah. Brad Stevens uh, Brad Stevens put him in there for the uh, lack of rebounding. Cool. <laughs> Robert Williams can do the same thing though. Like, he's more athletic. Yeah, God knows that Robin Williams, not Robin Williams. Oh my God, my bad. So uh, Robert Williams is fucking unbelievable as an athlete. Like he'll be fine. Um, catcher, we know he's not useful for today's basketball game. He was a real good fantasy stud when he was with the Thunder because he was a double double machine. Cool, but when it comes time to like winning games, he's not the guy. Yeah. And the fact that Brad Stevens ran with him, Daniel Tice. Could we talk about Daniel Tice for a second? This guy foul trouble. It's just like a normal thing. He fouled out. Not this game, but the last two games, he fouled out. And how vital he is for that team. You would think mm-hmm. like. They would make some adjustments to make sure he stays out of the foul trouble. But Heat well, are so athletic and so good on that transition that Boston, who is also a known team for setting up on that transitional defense, yeah. they're not ready for it. Well, that's why he's only paid $5 million because there are clear things that Daniel Tice isn't great at. And that's like he gets a little handsy sometimes. Yeah. Um, if I can if I can say one thing about the Celtics, um, I don't know if this series is over or not. I'm I'm not going to say it is yet. Um, the Celtics will probably getting Gordon will be probably getting Gordon Hayward back for Game Three, which mm. I mean I don't know. It might make a pretty big difference for them. If anything, it will give them a spark plug. Hopefully, like Marcus Smart yelling at Ennis Canner in the locker room <laughs> will will like pump this team up because I don't know. And it seems like the same trend is happening in this series as it has against the Raptors. Like, the Boston Celtics could be the best team in basketball if they knew how to play in the third quarter. And it's just yeah. kind of embarrassing at this point. Just like, I don't know what it is. Obviously, one team makes adjustments, the other team does not. One team comes out ready to go, the other team does not. I really don't know what it is with the Celtics. They just, every single time they play, like, you're just, you just know you got to stay in this game up until halftime and then hope to punch him in the face out of half and out of the half in the third quarter. So mm-hmm. I really don't know if I can, if I can say one more thing about um, Tyler hero though. Yeah. Um, I know Kev, you and I talked about this before the season started. Like we were talking about Cam Johnson with the Phoenix suns and Tyler hero, like Cam Johnson coming out of college was just like a shooter mm-hmm. and it's persisted in like into the season. Right. Like, I think he shot like 42, 43 percent from three, something mm-hmm. ridiculous. But like what I've seen from a guy like Tyler Hero 
which is like the next step in his development, something you don't, he didn't see a ton of in his days in Kentucky. It's like, dude, this guy can like play make now. He can yeah. put the ball on the floor. Like you mentioned the Goran Dragic, uh, Bam Adebayo pick and roll. But I mean, like the Tyler Hero, Gor- uh, Bam Adebayo pick and yeah. roll has been like really good too. And like how he's able to like place the ball exactly where Bam wants it. Like he's, he's able to do more things now than just shoot. Like, obviously, defensively, he's not what you want. But offensively, that like, now he's starting to do many different things. And while most people probably think he's just a shooter, like, you, you watch him in this bubble right now, like, there's a lot of different aspects to his game. And, like, there's a big difference from what he was as a college player in Kentucky. So you got to, like, shout out to Tyler Hero and just shout out to uh, the Miami Heat development staff because, like, Tyler Hero looks absolutely legit and he's cold-blooded when he throws up shots like it's automatic like he doesn't care if he's 0 for 10 or 10 for 10 if whether his team is down three with like two seconds left he's going to throw up a shot whether whether there's a hand in his face or not and like you love that right i just just want to throw this out there beginning of the season richard and i had a conversation regarding you know tyler hero's future and i did say he's going to be a multi-time all-star did you Yes, I did, and you were I, heavily against it because I thought I, I thought we were talking about who the be- better shooter was. No, I mean, of course, the better shooter too. But we also talked. I said he's going to be a multi-time All Star purely based off his energy, his BDE or Big Dig Energy, as we call it. Um, it's a scientific term, by the way, just so you know. But right. based off that, yeah, he's going to be a multi-time All Star, and he is on track. But also, getting back to Gordon Hayward, dude, didn't he have a great three ankle sprain? I yeah I don't know why it I don't know what's going on with Gordon Hayward like I think like Kyle Lowry had a similar injury in terms of like the prognosis as Hayward did I don't really know why it's taking Hayward so long to come back I'm, I'm also not a doctor so yeah I know I'm mm. I have zero medical background yeah so I guess I guess we'll see who knows yeah yeah you um, know I just I just had like a thought too for this whole yeah. like NBA season. Like you guys have, I hope you guys have played like NBA 2K before, right? Oh baby, of uh, course. Started at 2012. I right. I, so yeah, like if you ever play the uh, season mode when you like just simulate, yeah. this is like this season is just one of those simulations where you're gonna see a champion and you're just gonna think like, whoa, how did that happen? Like that's just the initial feeling I have right now going mm-hmm. into this conference finals. Like I know yeah. I predicted Lakers in six. And I'm predicting Miami to take the Celtics in six as well. But um, I wouldn't be surprised if we're like, oh, it's Denver and Miami in the finals and somehow Denver won or somehow oh, Miami won. Don't. Like, don't. The, it, it just seems like this season in general, the theme of this season has been like, whoa, what the fuck? Like, what, what's happening here? Yeah. You yeah. know, Giannis gets knocked out the second round. The Clippers, they flame out in the second round in worse fashion. Um, it just seems like th- this is like, where we're headed. Yeah. One last point before we wrap up with our football picks, but like something I've been thinking about is like, I feel like the better teams going into the bubble have been kind of fucked by the uh, lack of home court advantage. Right. Like, I feel like that, like the benefit is to the worst teams in terms of standings. Right. Like, like the Raptors, the Clippers, the Lakers, the Bucks, they've all played all season long to get home court advantage. So it just kind of like the, the, the worst teams kind of benefited. So it's like, 
these guys, these teams played so hard all year to get this opportunity to defend home court, and they didn't get it. So, like a team like Miami, they've benefited from it because they wouldn't have had home court advantage in either one of their first uh, two series, right? Like the Boston Celtics benefited against the Raptors. Like the Denver Nuggets and the and the Dallas Mavericks probably benefited a little bit against the Clippers, you know? So yeah, like that's the one same- thing. Like one, mm-hmm. but like what my point is when I look back at obviously like. It's great that the best team wins. Yeah. But like the point of the like it's it's I know the NBA couldn't do anything about it and like you got to like whatever whatever. But it's just unfortunate that like all these teams who works worked all season long to get home court advantage, like the better the best teams kind of got screwed. And the p- yeah. purpose of the season is essentially to I mean be- to reward these better teams right so like that's the one issue i have with this whole bubble thing but like obviously you can't really do anything about it and you got to give props to the nba for whatever they can um yeah but like two things one being there was home court advantage what are you talking about i mean when the celtics played there was green colored lights everywhere crowd noise and celtic fans in the virtual virtual fan base you know, but also yeah. to say that, you know, the talk every bar- barbershop has at the end of the season where it's like, yo, if it weren't for this, this team would have won. If it weren't for this, this team would have won. That's taken out of the equation right now. You're putting two teams in a vacuum and seeing yeah. what's the better team. Yeah, I understand that, Kev. But my, my point is, like, you're not that's not the point. You're not supposed to be doing that. Why not? What, what, did, what did your goat say? What did your goat say? Regular season standings don't matter. I mean, Ooh. I mean, he, he he would say that when he if he didn't have like he said that, but he also got home court advantage throughout the playoffs. So I like, know, but at the same time, like that's what that's what he said. He's like regular season don't matter. Playoffs is all that matters. It's one hundred percent matters. Like you play, like I'm. I just think like it takes away from the entire purpose of the season. Like you have to reward the teams who got home court advantage. I know. Right? I mean, or that, there's no purpose in the regular season. We should just no, cancel like, it and just have, like, March Madness tournaments everywhere. Yeah, but, like, my point is, like, the teams who weren't good, good in the regular season, they shouldn't be the ones who are benefiting from this. That's my only point. Like, you shouldn't be, like, the Boston Celtics shouldn't be benefiting against the Raptors. Right the Nuggets shouldn't be benefiting. Sorry? Is this what's happening? Are we doing this right no, now? <laughs> no, no, no. No, I'm just saying it's just like that's a thing that like kind of like I don't know what the NBA could have done. There's obviously nothing, but just like it 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 it's not good to reward the teams for l- being worse, you know? Okay. Like that's essentially what we're doing. We're rewarding the teams for being worse than the better teams. Yeah. Let's close it off with this, okay? Three teams that didn't have home court advantage just like every other team. Philadelphia 76ers, Brooklyn Nets and Orlando Magic. They got what they deserved. Whoa. Richard Whoa. Orlando had home court. Let's be fair. Orlando had home court, okay. and Miami they kind of have home court. Orlando. Miami, uh, Miami kind of has home court though. They're playing in Orlando. It's not too far not from same. Miami. It's not the same. Yeah, they understand the heat pressure. Yeah, they uh, they understand like you know the weather in Florida, dude. That's a big advantage. Hey, hey, if you can't handle the heat, get out of the bubble, which is what most teams in the East are doing right now. But Richard. Um, <laughs> Wait, technically, Kev, the same amount of teams are doing it on both conferences. There's four teams talk left. About it, Richard. Whatever. I was trying to do like if you can't handle the heat, get out of the kitchen thing. Damn it. Yeah. Football. 
Yeah. John, John, have you, have you, did you watch any of the games last week? Oh, I, I can't say I did my homework this week. Jonathan. Man. Wait, is your full name Jonathan? No, it's not. Dang it. You, you can call me that. Uh, I don't Can I call you saying. Jonathan? I think Jonathan's sure. name. Okay. You're going to be my Jonathan. Okay, Jonathan. Well, you can jump on my fan base if you'd like. If you don't want to be with Richard and the Cowboys. Jump on the New England Patriots. We have a rich history, unlike the um, Cowboys. They um, have a rich history in being very, um, you know, very stable in 8-8 eight and eight records. But yeah. going into this well, week, Richard, what are you, you're coming off a win, aren't you? I'm coming up with big dubs. So, wait, before we do football, real quick, ballandroll.com, your spot for the best basketball content on the web, shop.ballandroll.com, your spot for the hottest basketball merch on the web. I'm coming off a big week, Kev. I won some money at Cardinals plus seven. I had Saints outright. I got Steelers outright, and I had the Steelers under. So, I'm really happy. I'm feeling good. I won the Cincinnati Bengals plus six yesterday. So I'm, I feel like I'm on top of the world. You are. So, yeah, which is why I deserve to start this up, right? Our mortal yeah, loss. 100%, dude, 100%. Except, I, you know, go ahead. No, wait, what were you going to say? No, 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 no. I'll, I'll, I'll save it for mine. Go ahead, please. Okay. No, I, I okay. Occur. So here, here we go, Kev. Here we go. So my first mortal lock. I think Aaron Rodgers is the pettiest human being in the world. The Green Bay Packers drafted Jordan Love, and now Aaron Rodgers, he dumped Danica Patrick. He's like, fuck you, bitch. I'm going to come in and become an MVP again. He was incredible against the Vikings. He's going to be sick right this week against the Lions. 6.5 point favorite at home. Take the Green Bay Packers to destroy the Detroit Lions. Next up, the Minnesota Vikings, they're on the road. They're a three-point underdog against the Indianapolis Colts. The Minnesota Vikings for the past two years have been really, really good against the spread coming off a loss. I forget the exact number. I think it's like 13 and 6 or something. So Minnesota Vikings. The Indianapolis Colts have Phillip Rivers. And what we've learned about Phillip Rivers is that he messes up in the worst po- at the worst possible time. I think the Vikings are going to take this one outright take through uh, the Minnesota Vikings three plus next mm-hmm. up we got the LA Rams they're going to be visiting the Philadelphia Eagles they're one point underdog they beat the, the Dallas Cowboys last week I kind of cried but I think the LA Rams are actually like a legit team I'm kind of on the fence with the Philadelphia Eagles as I am with every other team in the NFC East mm-hmm. the Rams are good they have a top I'd say they have a top three receiving court with uh, that's around um, Jesus, what's the name? Uh, Jared Goff. Mm-hmm. So, and I also think I, I like the the uh, LA Rams defense. While their secondary, other than Jalen Ramsey, is kind of questionable, Ooh. I think the Rams have enough pieces to beat up on the Philadelphia Eagles. I think they're going to win this one outright. And then my last pick, I'm going to take the Kansas City Chiefs to win against the LA Chargers. It's a, n- a nine-point spread. I just don't think the Chargers offense can keep up with the Kansas City Chiefs. I think the Chiefs defense is pretty good and it doesn't get enough hype because of the receivers that uh, Pat Mahomes have. I don't think and now the the Kansas City Chiefs also have a running game with Clyde. And I also think the Chargers, while they may have like a nice defense, they have some nice receivers, they have a nice running back. I think Tyrod Taylor is just absolutely horrible. 
and I think he's going to get overwhelmed by the Kansas City Chiefs, and I just don't think he's capable of being in, like, an absolute offensive, like, shootout with Kansas City. So I feel like Kansas City is going to win that game by, like, 10 points or two touchdowns. So that's my four picks. That's a, a solid picks, man. I respect that. Um, just like Richard, I'm coming off a very, 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 very scorching hot, scorching hot week as well. I picked Washington, which I don't even know how I did it. It was a very last minute change. I'm sorry, listeners. It was a gut moment. I just saw Chase Young in the warm up, and he looked really good. So I had to go with it. I took the the football team. So that, anyways, I'm up a few units is what it is. But this week. I'm go- they're San Francisco 49ers versus New York Jets. I'm mm-hmm. taking the Jets plus seven on this one. Just purely because last week against the Bills, they were down 21-0. And then they came back 17-6 and the rest of the way. San Francisco also has injuries with uh, Kittle and some of the secondary guys. So... I, I'm taking, I'm taking, I'm taking the boys down in New York, Sammy Donald, uh, Gaze, and uh, Tristan, Wir- no, Worfs is somewhere else. Anyways, I'm taking them boys. Next up, I'm taking Revenge Game, uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We have a football guy over there, Chris Godwin. A boy got concussed, but he's like, two days, I'm out there and practicing. So I'm taking minus 8.5 Buccaneers against Panthers. Uh, next up, I'm taking... Uh, let's see. Let's see. Let's see. Oh, Falcons versus Cowboys. Falcons are frauds. They say 10 first round picks in the, uh, in the offensive side. Still frauds. Still big capital F frauds. So I'm taking Cowboys minus four. Uh, you, you got CD looked nice. Zeke's going to go eat with his eat me, uh, feed me tattoo on his stomach. Next up, I'm taking... I'm so, I'm, you know what? For some reason, I want to ride with the, uh, Washington football team. So I'm taking the football team plus seven against the Cardinals. Those are the mortal locks of the week. Nice. Yeah. Do, you, you do know that, that Crowder's not playing for the uh, Jets, right? Who? Crowder, like D- Darnold's top receiver. No, I'm not talking about uh, – whoa, yeah, it's all good. Darnold's always going to find somebody else. It's not a big deal. It is what it is. <laughs> Huh? There's nothing left over there. Yeah, why, why, why are you hating on Sammy Darnold right now, dude? They don't have George Kittle. I, that's that that is that confirmed? Is that yeah. like okay? It's, it's done. And also, also, you're forgetting about another guy on the Jets, dude. Who? Frank Gore. <laughs> okay, it's time to wrap up. Uh, uh, what about John. what about what about Brashad Perriman? No, John. Do you have any hot football takes before we wrap this up? I don't have any hot football takes, but I'm gonna just go along with my fascination that Washington is still called the football team, and I guess I'll support the football team. There we go, baby. Jonathan has approved. I've I've officially become a football team fan. Yep. <laughs> I'm locking it in. Okay. Well, they are the best team in the NFC East as of right now. So. I mean, you're you're going you're pulling for a winner. Um, anyways, guys, that's the wrap for this week. Again, ballandroll.com, your spot for the best basketball content on the web. Shop.ballandroll.com, your spot for the hottest basketball merch on the web. Be sure to stay locked in on all of those. We'll be back next week. Peace. Peace. Peace.